So I don't know about y'all, but when, like, when, when I was younger, you know, two or three years ago, um, I wanted to be Batman. Well, maybe it was a little bit more than two or three years ago. Uh, I, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, we all had our heroes, right? Um, the, fo- the, the, the person that we wanted, and, and Batman was mine. And, and I, had a, I had a Batman outfit, man, and I had the boomerang. Um, I'm still waiting for the Batmobile, um, but we're going to get that, right? Uh, I saw, I, you know, I, I checked out the car show at the 4th of July, and there were some of them that were pretty close to the Batmobile, but Deb wouldn't let me buy any of them. Um, and then when I realized that, well, Batman wasn't a real person, um, then, then I turned, I, I loved to play baseball, so, so then my heroes were baseball players, and I just knew I was going to be a major league baseball player. I keep waiting for the agents to show up and sign me, um, because I know I'm good enough to play, well, maybe not play anymore. I could at least manage. They could come and get me and sign me up, right? Uh, well, that didn't pan out either, right? So I'm not a major league baseball player. Um, and, and in fact, I, I learned in, in high school that um, really I wasn't even good enough to play high school ball. Um, and, and so I ran track and cross country. And, and I was pretty good at track and cross country. And so I was going to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I think I told you all before, Jim Ryan was a hero of mine, right? Jim, Jim Ryan... Um, and so, um, we, we all have these heroes in life. And in fact, on days, on holidays like the 4th of July, I worry sometimes uh, that we so uh, lift up the heroes that are written about uh, that we think that if we're not heroes, we're unimportant. Uh, because I assure you that there will be no annals of history written about me. Um, nobody's going to write a book about me in 15, 20 years. Nobody's going to be celebrating um, my life, except for hopefully my wife and my kids, hopefully. Um, but but you, you get the picture? Um, it, sometimes I think we get so focused on the heroes that we, um, we, we forget about the importance of ordinary life. And, and today, as we look at Scripture... Um, I think Isaac is one of these folks in Scripture that we just rush past. In fact, when I was looking at preaching on Genesis, um, if you look at how Genesis is broken down, you, you've got stories of Abraham, and, um, and you've got a little bit about Isaac, and then you've got story of Jacob, and you've got story of Joseph, right? If you look at Scripture, there's about 10 chapters written on Abraham, about 10 chapters written on Jacob, um, almost 20 written on, uh, well, 13 written on uh, Joseph. A- and there's like five chapters where Isaac is mentioned and only one chapter where we really hear about Isaac himself. And yet, over and over in the Old Testament, it, it says that the-, that the God that we worship, the God that-, that Israel worshiped, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, the stories of Jacob uh, get lost in Scripture. In fact, where we first are introduced to Jacob, or, or Isaac, I'm sorry, when we're first introduced to Isaac, um, we're told of his, his, uh, his birth, and then we're told, um, well, when, when he was weaned, there was this great celebration that the family had, 
And in the midst of that celebration, his half-brother Ishmael did something that really aggravated Sarah. And so as a result, Ishmael and Hagar are driven away. And so this celebration that's supposed to be having for Isaac's um, great milestone ends up being something that divides the family. And then the next story that we hear about Isaac has to do with this great test of Abraham. And, you know, I find it um, interesting that as we read that story, we always talk about Abraham and his... It's almost like we forget Isaac was even there because the story makes it clear it's not really about Isaac. Isaac is almost like a mannequin in the story. We don't know how he felt. We're not told what he thought when Abraham's putting him on the altar. Um, He's just kind of there, like he's a prop in the story. And then um, the next time we hear about Isaac is when Abraham's getting old and he doesn't want, he doesn't want Isaac to marry um, any of the Canaanite uh, women. He wants Isaac to marry from uh, the family. And so he calls his servant, sends his servant to go find a wife for Isaac. There's no consulting of Isaac. He, he goes, he sends his servant, his servant comes back with a wife for Isaac, and, and the servant kind of goes up to Isaac and says, uh, here's what's going on. And so Isaac takes Rebekah to be his wife, and, and he uh, uh, loves her, but he's never even consulted in the story. And it seems like um, there's always these actions being done while Isaac is kind of a, a passive receiver. And then even after he's married to Rebecca, we're, we're told that uh, Rebecca is barren, just like Sarah was. Um, and Isaac prays to God, and her womb is open, and she has two children. And the story quickly shifts to Rebecca and these children. And, and, and we're told that uh, in her womb, she feels this battle. And God tells her what's going on. He says, well, there's twins. There's the, you have two boys in your, uh, within you that are going to battle, going to become two nations that battle against each other, and the older will serve the younger. To the best of our knowledge, Isaac, that information is never shared with Isaac. And later we'll see that uh, Rebekah and Jacob... Uh, they devise this deception, this plan of deception, which they carry out on Isaac. Um, and, and it just seems that Isaac is just kind of this, this prop that's part of the story. Except then, there is, um, there is this section in chapter 26 of Genesis where uh, we hear specifically uh, these stories of, of Isaac. And so... I thought we would take a closer look at, at, at what is written here, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 26. And here's, here's, uh, here's, how it, here's what we read in, in 26 of Genesis. When a famine gripped the land, uh, a different one from the first famine that occurred in Abraham's time, Isaac set out toward Gerar and toward King Abimelech of the Philistines. We've heard similar things that Abraham did, right? And the Lord appeared to him. This is the first time, I think, that the Lord appeared to Isaac. And the Lord said, don't go down to Egypt, but settle temporarily in the land that I will show you. Stay in the land as an immigrant, 
and I will be with you and bless you because I will give you all of these, all of these lands to you and your descendants. I will keep my word, which I gave to your father Abraham. I will give you as many descendants as the stars in the sky, and I will give you de- your descendants all of these lands. All of the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants. I will do this because Abraham obeyed and kept my orders, my commandments, my statutes, and my instructions. And so we see even though there's not much story about Isaac, we see God comes to Isaac uh, because of the promise he has made to Abraham, and he, he tells Isaac, you are going to be the bearer of the covenant. It, it is going to be through you and your descendants uh, that you will be blessed, and all of the, of the people of the earth will be blessed. And the story goes on, and it says, So Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men, when the men who lived there asked about his wife, he said... She's my sister, like father, like son, I guess, right? Because he was afraid to say my wife, thinking that the men who live there will kill me for Rebecca, uh, t- so that they can have Rebecca because she's very beautiful. And after Isaac had lived there for some time, the Philistines king, King Abimelech, looked out the window and he saw Isaac laughing together with his wife, Rebecca. And so Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She's your wife, isn't she? How could you say that she is your sister? And Isaac responded, Because I thought I might be killed because of her. And Abimelech said, What are you trying to do to us? Before long, one of the people would have slept with your wife, and you would have made us guilty. And Abimelech gave orders to all the people, Anyone who touched this man or his wife would be put to death. Again, we see as Isaac is living out his ordinary life, he's not, he, he's not perfect. He makes some of the same mistakes that his father makes. But I find it interesting, in the case of Abraham, uh, Sarah actually became uh, the wife of Pharaoh or became the wife of the king. Uh, uh, apparently, when Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah together, he knew that they had to be husband and wife. Um, it, it, it must have been so obvious from the way that he looked at her and he cared for her and he talked with her that Abimelech knew and sensed that Rebekah was Isaac's wife. He couldn't hide the fact uh, that he loved her and he cared for her and, and it just uh, came out of him. And so Abimelech, seeing that, um, doesn't want anything to happen in the land and sends him away uh, because he's deceived them. And the story goes on. And, and, and as it continues, um, it says that Isaac, um, he planted grain in the land, and he reaped 100 sherem that year, because the Lord had blessed him. And Isaac grew richer and richer until he was extremely wealthy. He had livestock, both flocks and cattle, and many servants. And as a result, the Philistines envied him. And the Philistines closed up and filled up all of the wells that his father's servants had had dug during Abraham's lifetime. And Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from here because you have become so powerful among us. Uh, Again, we see in this story, I think, that uh, Isaac just goes about his daily routine, living his everyday, 
ordinary life. And as he does so, as he, as he faithfully uh, plants and cultivates and sows, as he cares for his herds and his flocks, um, he prospers and he is blessed and, and he becomes wealthy and others see this. And initially we're told that Abimelech, uh, that they are afraid of Isaac. And so they send him away. And if, as we listen to the rest of the story, Isaac goes away, we're told, and he, he digs a well. And the Philistines come along and they say, um, that's our well. And so Isaac just moves on to another place, digs another well. And they come along and say, that's my well. And again, we see Isaac, instead of battling and arguing and entering into conflict, he moves on peacefully because he knows he's an immigrant in the land. And finally, he gets to a place where he digs a well, and we're told there is no conflict. And he celebrates because God has created this space where he might live and he might enjoy peace. And a little bit later, we're told, is apparently as he's staying there, that Abimelech and his um, armies come to visit wherever Isaac is. And, and, and they say to Isaac, um, they, they say to Isaac, um, hey, will you reach an agreement with us? We see that you have been blessed by God, that, that you have found favor in God. Uh, will you make an agreement with this, us that you will do no harm to us and so Isaac makes this agreement and, and they have this grand celebration and they go away in peace again we see Isaac as this uh, uh, peace-loving individual who again in his ordinary life not seeking to uh, conquer or to have uh, victories in war or whatever it might be, we see him resolve issues peacefully. And we see this peace that is created between um, Isaac and the, and the Philistines. And about the time, the end of that celebration, some of, his, um, some of his servants come saying, we have struck water again. We have found water. And we get this picture of Isaac living his life in a very ordinary way, going about uh, his ordinary duties and responsibility, being blessed and others seeing that he is blessed and wanting to uh, be in interaction with him so they might be blessed. And we see him living in the land peacefully. And if we stop there in the store, we might begin to wonder, well, well maybe this is, this is the um, result of the promise. This is some of the fruition of the promise that God has made because we see Isaac living in the land. And we see him living peacefully. We see him prospering. We see others coming to him saying, um, we want to be in alignment with you. We want to be uh, in an alliance with you because we know that if we are, we will experience blessing also. What a wonderful story that begins with famine and ends with water. Um, Isaac, 
Isaac doesn't do any of the great feats that we read about with Abraham or with Jacob. He just seems to live this ordinary, faithful life, seeking to do the right next thing as God might lead him to do. I can't help as I read the story this week uh, to, to, just, to, to just be reminded that there is indeed something special about living uh, year after year, day after day, doing the good and the kind and the thoughtful and the generous thing, being a lover of peace, and simply um, doing the everyday things that are important to life. I couldn't help but be reminded of one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it's a Wonderful Life. Yes, it, it, it's a Christmas movie, but it wouldn't hurt us to play it sometimes on, on, on holidays like the 4th of July to be reminded of the importance of everyday life lived, trusting, and following God. You see, sometimes when we read the stories in the Scripture, when we read about Abraham and we read about Jacob and we read about Joseph and we read about Moses and David and Daniel and we read about uh, Peter and Paul and John, we begin to get the idea, well, if I'm not like them, I'm nothing. My life means very little. When in fact, I would argue that the, that the people that, uh, that I remember the most, the people who have made the most difference in my life, who have made the greatest difference in communities like this and in congregations like this, they are the people who live everyday, ordinary lives simply faithfully doing as God calls them to do. Yes, making their mistakes and, and falling down, but getting back up and simply seeking to do the right next thing as God leads them to do. And so on this 4th of July, on this day, let us hear the story of Isaac. Let us hear uh, that it isn't about the heroes. It's not about the people who are written about in the history books. It's not about the people who do great and wonderful things. The difference that is made in the lives of our neighbors is the difference made because we choose to live our everyday, ordinary lives seeking to trust and to live in connection with God doing the next right thing, loving our families and our spouses, going about our work in a way that it's meaningful. Let us hear that and know that our lives make a difference. All we need to do is trust God and do the next right thing. May we do that today and every day. Amen.